The Youthscape Podcast. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. And seeing as we have an international guest today, big hello if you're tuning in for the first time from across the pond yes. or anywhere across really. any pond on any pond in any village in any world in any globe. Martin Saunders, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rachel Gardner. You're so welcome. How are you? I'm well. Good. Yes, You've got well. a bit of tan. I have been away, thank you it's for noticing. It's quite rare for you to have a bit of a tan, though. I was in America. Of course you were, I'd completely forgotten that's where you were. Yeah. I thought you were on some sort of like, far-flung, windswept beach in the north of England. That's actually just wind burn. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's actually a sun. Yes, no, I did go on a, a lovely holiday to the north you of England. You like that, don't I, you, with your family? But I didn't, I didn't get a suntan no. there. Um, but then I went to uh, Princeton Seminary. Oh, tell us more. Uh, which is in New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, a lovely time at their uh, Institute for Youth Ministry Forum on Youth Ministry. Gosh. This is sort of their... Very clever people. Very clever <laughs> people. I, um, I had to stand up in front of a group of people who all had, you know, Doctorate. more than one degree. Oh, my goodness. And do, you know, a presentation. I have to be honest. I felt like the performing monkey who went on before Dr. Lucy Shuka. I think and she saved should, my baby. Yeah, I think any of us that gone before Dutch Lisa Sugar would feel like that. She's but I, but but you know when you speak somewhere and you think, okay, it's all right. These are my people. This, and your accent will carry you through yeah, as well. Well, that covers a multitude of things. I have to say, um, you, you know what happens to me in America, <laughs> and I probably, as we're now finding, I'm with old age repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> I probably said this before. What happens to me when I go to America is I become thirty percent more Hugh Grant. Oh yeah, immediately. Oh, I love it. And I start to say, "Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Gosh, uh, oh, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? Oh, let me." And I shuffle my notes, and they all think it's terribly warm and endearing, and, and a uh, sign of huge intelligence as well. Yeah, it must be. That's great. Absolutely, it must be, and it even works at a great academic institution like probably Princeton. Probably works better there than anywhere else, actually. So interesting things I learned from Princeton. Yes, because I, I don't know if you visualise. Princeton, you imagine this great sweeping campus. And magnolia bushes for some reason. It, well, it is beautifully pruned. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. It mm. is perfectly. But um, but Princeton's very very small. As a town. So there aren't. It's a very small. It's quite oh, a small okay. town. Right, okay. It's very. It's like a British town in that mm. you know there's actually a high street and you know things like that, which is un- unusual for the states. Um, but the the university itself isn't very big because it's so kind of prestigious and elite. There aren't like tens of thousands of, of students everywhere. Oh. So, um, you know, it's quite, it, it surprised me. Yes. And I was actually at that, so I don't want to, I've been telling people. No, tell I, us, tell I, us, I, we're I, your friends. I lectured at Princeton. No, tell us. And I, I did, in a sense, I was at the Theological Seminary. Yes, that's great. Which is where our friend, uh, Kendra Creasy Dean, is yeah. based. Um, and some other brilliant um, uh, people who have been involved in the National Youth Ministry mm. weekend over the last uh, few years. And we went out, Lucy and I went out there um, partly because we've been running this program with uh, with Princeton, which mm. is a youth ministry and innovation uh, course diploma thingy. Um, I'm not sure if that's the official Again. title. Certificate. <laughs> well. It's a certificate. <laughs> Bit of paper. And um, and and so we had six British youth workers and six US youth workers in a cohort together, mm. and they were kind of learning from each other. Uh, and it was brilliant it's been absolutely brilliant we're going to run it again um, it was fantastic kind of uh, to be there among them and to see kind of how they bonded together in this kind of it was like the special relationship oh. cemented in in the crucible of uh, of youth ministry with you and your parker 
and you dithering. Well, and then I was there apologising, yeah. yes. profusely, <laughs> and then and then we were at this conference at the end of the of the six months of this certificate, mm. and uh, and Lucy and I were doing a couple of, of things, and um, and it was great. It was great mm. fun. We, we, and I tell you what was great about it. I got to experience a completely different. A kind of church and a completely different kind of fantastic um, because yeah. because they're, they're they're rooted in the sort of Presbyterian yep. tradition yeah. and so it's interesting I don't know what your um, preconceptions are of people who call themselves reformed mm. but in uh, it turns out that that can mean a multitude of different things and so this was uh, you know you might see reformed as very conservative evangelical this wasn't okay. evangelical it was mainline and uh, and much more kind of inclusive mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and uh, and so it was really interesting to be in the midst of, of a different uh, worshiping context with people I love, mm. um, and uh, and I made a great time. And I got a suntan. Amazing. And and the the thinking that they're doing there. Would you say that that is serving youth ministry in the states across the wider church in the way that we're seeking to do in Youthscape? Well, I think they they really their big thing is to get uh, people to think theologically okay. about youth ministry. Great. Um, which we have a few people in this country who who kind of um, really try and hammer mm, that that mm. point. Um, but Princeton, as an institution, the Institute mm. of Youth Ministry is trying to get people to think and reflect theologically in their practice. Um, mm. What I think is interesting is they are forming long-term youth workers. Okay. And I wonder if it's the context that allows that, the American context, where you can be... There's more resources Yeah, to pay, you can right? be a okay. youth pastor and you can perhaps get paid enough to, to live, okay. uh, you know, mm. even when you've got a family... Um, but they're definitely forming people for that context and uh, they're not particularly weren't trying to branch out internationally it wasn't a sort of imperialistic Mm. thing Um, but we just we struck up a friendship yes Um, you know it sounds awfully cheesy and I know people hate it when um, at the National Youth Ministry Weekend I introduce these people as my friends Mm. but genuinely this has come out of friendship between people yes and then organisations and then UK and UK youth ministry and American youth ministry have sort of got sucked into the whole vortex of uh, of a friendship yeah. essentially between awesome. you know, me and Kendra. And, and also on a very practical note, if if they are meeting the need for friendship for you, it kind of lets the rest of us off the hook yes, it a does. bit, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think that was actually quite nice. So thank you, friends yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there was um, some hoo-ha on Twitter recently. Was there a hoo-ha? Hoo-ha, never. Not hoo-ha, just a really interesting discussion that I, that I got involved with or kind of vaguely looked at around um who are writing the uk books who are the uk voices writing the books yeah. about theological practice yeah and and one one question was is it very american is it very male and i mm. think the, the books that were named were often male and american and then the names of the authors in the uk are often white male again and the question was where are the female voices and i I don't have an answer to that. I have some fairly pragmatical responses like women are thinking theologically about their practice, often in a setting where maybe they don't they don't feel they need to or want to be turning that into a book for others. They're getting on with it in their own networks. Mm. They have got books, maybe they haven't been approached by publishers, maybe it's an opportunity thing, blah 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 blah. What what would you, would you have a response to that? Because obviously in Princeton, loads of the people that you're meeting are they're women. Yes. Those are the writers and thinkers are women. Yes. And and yes. the same here, Leah Pike, you know, got Jenny Baker, Sally Nash, got some incredible female thinkers here. Yes. Well, I've got some I've got some controversial thoughts on it. Have you? I don't That's know. Unusual. I didn't share them on Twitter, so I Did don't feel not? I should share okay, them on okay, the podcast. Right. But go on then. Um, so, <laughs> so I think well, the one thing others have raised this actually. One one thing is definitely the fact that um, publishers you have to push pretty hard to convince a publisher 
to uh, to publish a youth ministry yes, book. Yes, absolutely. At all. Yeah, full stop. Let yeah. alone a theory and theology of yeah. youth ministry book. It just isn't the market in this country. They, yeah. I, I, think, I think there is a market, but mm. I think people ha- haven't been clever enough about really drilling mm. down to explain what their book mm. is and why you should read it. And therefore there's... Um, you, you know publishers have the seen things not yes. go quite yeah. well in the past and so don't want to take the risk and get burned again um, so there is a bit of that but I also the real what I really think if you push me is that men tend to want be more comfortable with pushing their ideas forward than women mm. and so if you look at most of the people blogging about youth ministry or tweeting about youth ministry or wanting to have a voice into mm. youth ministry we are and I'll own it mm. we are men Mm. And so it's it's often guys who feel like they can. Whereas my, there's two factors. Often women feel like they their voice shouldn't be heard. They have mm. this kind of instinctive thing that they don't have, you know, the power a, structures. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a right to be heard, mm. or they should, or whatever. Mm. Uh, and also women, you know, again, a very practical thing. Women usually their lives are a lot are quite mm. often busier. Mm. And so you know, especially if you've got a family. Um, you know, and you've got a job and, and mm. all that, you don't have the, the freedom. You've got to work very hard to then carve mm. out time to write mm. as well. So there are those sort of practical things, but, but honestly, I just think guys like the sound of their own mm. voice more. So the question is, for the health of UK youth ministry, putting all that aside, and I think that is quite a fair reflection, and there might be some voices saying, no, wait a minute, that's, that's not fair, but I think that is quite a fair reflection. Putting that aside, do you think UK youth ministry needs to have kind of more of a 50-50 around the public, the publications that are out there? Or or do you think the general UK youth ministry world goes, okay, so lots of the voices are male, but actually, in my experience, the local network leader, there's some women that are leading this, that men and women are serving together, that actually their lived experiences, okay, maybe some of the voices blogging and writing mm. the books are male, but actually, on the ground... Mm it's incredibly equal we're all getting on with it and there isn't a felt need for a woman's voice mm. in the theology of youth ministry well first of all i've never heard this issue raised by a woman okay. it may have been yeah but i've never but heard this raised a good by point, a woman. actually it's all men having this conversation yeah yeah so this yeah. it was interesting watching yes, the conversation yes. take place be- between men who were either interested or yes. feeling suddenly very yes. you know awkward and, and embarrassed that yes. they you know um but, uh, but I think the most important thing is that there is more publishing mm. in youth ministry. I think mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. books are really important. Blogs yes. are great. Yes, tweets they are great. Really They've good. all yeah, got absolutely. their place. Absolutely. But there's something about a book that mm. there's the time you take to read it. There's the fact that you go back to it. Yeah. That has more weight. Yes. Like I know it physically weighs more, yes. but there is more weight to yes. a book. And so I think books are really important. And then in the context of that, yes, I think I am a believer mm. of equal platforms. Mm, so, absolutely. So, so, you know, the National Youth Ministry Weekend, we are committed to yes. an equal platform. Yes. And we do that now on, on gender and we want to move into uh, other mm. kinds of and also, our well. le- And also, can I also say, it's not just that on the platforms, but it's the leadership. And at Youthscape, um, we operate very much decision making is not just men in yep, the building absolutely. as well that's really important so behind the scenes it's women making decisions as well so it's not just the women on the platform but decision yeah. makers are women here as well and Carry I on. think you bring that but I think you bring that into yeah. publishing yeah. there are some brilliant voices 
yeah. who need to write books. Yes. Dr. Phoebe Hill needs to write a book. Yes, she Dr. does. Dr. Lucy Shuka Absolutely. needs to write a book. Yeah. Uh, and they both know that. Yeah. Um, and, and there Jenny are lots, needs to write a book. lots of yeah. other women out there yeah. who need to write books. Yeah. What we need is a publisher who will will have the guts yes, come on. for the glory yes. of, uh, of, of uh, a youth ministry book line. Yes. That's what we need. Oh, you're listening. I can tell. I could can tell you, the person's out there. Could you imagine yes. if, say, that happened? Mm. Be phenomenal. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because what, what I found, I mean, we need to get on to the interview, but what I found really interesting watching that conversation is that my name was mentioned and, and Dr. Sally Nash's name was mentioned. Yes. And what's really interesting, and this person did not mean to set us up against each other in any way, shape, or form, but what I noticed was what happened is what often happens for women is that where women are doing something in this space, we're quickly pitted against each other. So my name and her name was mentioned. And then the conversation was, well, one of them writes actually youth ministry and one of them is just more like, a, um, like an issues-based book and it was really interesting because right. I'm very proud that I've written an issues based book I'm not pretending it's a youth ministry book but it's interesting how even in that space mm. women that do write are kind of then categorised they're named by men like they, well they're writing but then they're categorised by men in a way that, and I was like oh my goodness that's and I've seen that a bit out of the states around women in leadership women are mentioned in men's blogs well this woman leads and why is she leading yeah. and it's yeah. like yes, it's all silencing women again so I think Probably for the sake of our better conversation, because the man that raised it raised it for a very good reason. Yeah. He really wants to Absolutely. see more women in, in And I stayed out published. of it for this reason. Did you? And now you've sucked me in. I've sucked you in. Can we make Mark, Martin the target of all our angst and, and difficulty around just, this? Just, just send just, it his way. If you want to abuse the books that I've written, it's not <laughs> difficult. It's not hard. But you, you do both, don't you? Youth ministry and issue-based. And pre-evangelistic and football. football novels. Brilliant. Well, let's get on to our interview. Now... I'm not allowed to say where this was interviewed, um, where, we, where I did this interview. Was it a large round building in London? A large round building in London. Um, but very kindly, we were at the HDB Leadership Conference. I want to say a big thank you to them for allowing us to use a room in their space. So thank you very much, guys, for letting us use your space and to interview one of your guests. And the guest is... Yes, the amazing... David, David Kinnaman. Kinnaman. And I got a tweet, a little private tweet saying, if, if you and Jace were to come over for a holiday, come What? <laughs> what? What? Are you what? He is what? My friend. I probably shouldn't have said that because now that I've like totally like, that's not good, David. Thank you so much for offering us that, but I can essentially retract in that Now we're all that. coming. <laughs> but he's such a lovely, generous guy. I think he it would open it. that offer to everybody. So, to yeah. anyone. So, Basically, yes. you've got to hope he never listens back to this. Oh my goodness. Sorry, I didn't say where you live. No one knows where America. you live. In America. But what an amazing guy. We've known him for years. Shall have you we, met shall him? We, I have met him. Yeah. yeah. He came here to Utsuko. Of course he did. Yeah. But that says something. There aren't many kind of, you know, big cheeses mm. who come and actually visit lowly youth little ministries. youth ministry projects like yeah. ours. Mm. But he came here twice. Yes. There we go. Yes. Here he is, David Kinnaman. Podcast. Uh, but before we get any further, in the spirit of research, and because you've just done a seminar and you're probably gasping, I have got here four drinks. So I've got, <laughs> and of course, I'm going to product placement, all this stuff, but I've got basically a cultured drink. Okay. What is that? What is it? I've got a bottle of water. I've got Vimto, which I think is very Northern British. Have you heard of Vimto? No. So it's still no added sugar. It's basically Ribena, but they've just named it themselves. It looks Do you like know the what stuff Ribena you, is? It, no, but it looks like the stuff you give to your babies if they have diarrhea. Oh, absolutely. It's full of <laughs> electrolytes. And 
pounds a can of San Pellegrino. So I went on Twitter earlier, I didn't actually, and I asked people, what drink does Mr. Research, uh, David Mack, what's he going to go for? And I, So I have a hunch. So my two kids have voted, 94% of my kids said something. So I want you to tell me, which would you like? Which drink? Uh, They're all balanced on my knee now, precariously. Uh, so the well, one that you'd have when you have, you have diarrhoea, <laughs> the one that will give you diarrhoea, this one here. <laughs> How about the San Pellegrino? Oh, my kid said that one. <laughs> Have that, my friends. That is awesome. I also, on Twitter, they did ask the awesome UK youth ministry community to give me Wait, some Wait, what questions. if I picked another one? You would have said, oh, that's the one that... that I they- would. <laughs> I absolutely would. Because all roads lead to Jesus. So, um, and I asked them, um, look, I'm going to have David Kinnaman. I'm going to have him in a headlock later. Uh-huh. What are your questions from? Because actually we adore you and we adore Barna. We yeah. think you're amazing. But also you're flipping provocative and you give us stats that make us go, what? What's going on? So the number one question, I suppose, you're doing all this research in the States. You're asking big questions. Yeah, that was the can opening. <laughs> this is the slurping. Um, you're asking big questions about why the emerging generation, why Gen Z, sort of 19, 20-year-olds under, why they're not evangelizing their friends so question number one david is what can we take from your work because it's a u.s context what can we extrapolate for the uk how do we handle that as as a british well yeah i think asking um context is always the most important question about applying research so who was interviewed where was it interviewed where were they interviewed um how might it apply to our our setting um but what's interesting is that there are more things that are alike than there are different. Um, now, again, in the absence of good research, you know, using some research from out of your context could be helpful in getting mm-hmm. a sense of what's happening in your context. But yeah, the study we did was in the U.S. looking at, um, um, really actually 18 years old and older, okay. yeah. looking at their attitudes towards evangelism, but we've done other studies with teenagers, and, and they are reluctant to share their faith with their friends. They yeah. do believe it's important, but they don't see it as important for specific reasons um like they, they actually they to be really clear on that they they say that following jesus would be one of the most important decisions a friend could make or anyone could make but that they feel reluctant and i think one of the reasons and we can talk about lots of different ones but one of them is that they feel uh that this this idea of you shouldn't criticize someone else's life choice the you do you isms mm-hmm. um this sense that everyone should look inside for, for spiritual truth um, living in a pluralistic culture. And I think, listen, there's a really good thing that we should say, hey, we want to honor people of other faith traditions, uh, that Christianity, as we believe following mm-hmm. Jesus, it, it is a, a better way of understanding the spiritual experience mm-hmm. of humanity, uh, but that we also sort of respect and honor people that, that, that believe differently from us. Um, and so I think this study should apply um, to the UK in a couple different ways. Uh, one, we're doing a big study with World Vision now looking at attitudes towards, uh, in the UK. So we're gonna have a big, big uh, pa- panel of, of, of more than a thousand adults, uh, young adults here, 18 to 35. And we're seeing a lot of that same impulse with mm-hmm. UK millennials um, where they don't want to, they're, they're young Christians are, they say they'd like to share their faith. Um, they believe in the importance, but yeah. they, don't, they don't feel that they've been given the necessary tools. They, they see the, um, the, the collateral damage that's happened from bad experiences with evangelism, the street preachers and the, you know, the kinds of things that make Christianity look bad, that, that give evangelism a bad name. And I think they have to be, we have to say, listen, we're sorry for that. We understand that's, that's part of the experience. So I think a lot of what we've done in the U.S. applies generally right. to this. Brilliant. I think what I find so compelling about what you do is that you, you do the research at Barna. 
But as a CEO, what you're great at, David, is, is working out how to make sense of stats. Like, what do the stats actually mm. tell us? Um, and listening to you yesterday, what I, what I found so encouraging was you could unpack the stats. Like, actually, this generation really struggles to share their faith. They're reluctant because actually they think it's an extreme thing to do. And extreme doesn't equal, wow, that's a bit kooky. It actually it equals dangerous. Yeah, like, right. you don't want to be dangerous about this stuff. But also, you're really good at identifying within it the real, the brilliance of a generation that we, in a way, need to steward to mm. help um, them connect their friends to Jesus. So, what I'd like to ask, just in a nutshell, I know that you'll hate to do this because nothing can be kind of boiled down, really, this simplistically. But in a nutshell, what would you say is kind of one of the headlines? So, why is this generation reluctant? What, what? Just drill that a bit deeper. And then what would be a real strength of that that we could really, really harness? I mean, you've touched on it a little bit already. Yeah, so. I mean, I think they, they love their friends. They're, they're peer-oriented. They, they see the beauty in other people. Um, if anything, they believe that, uh, that, that, you know, God's created everyone in their image. Like, that's, a, that's a, uh, a very high percentage of young Christians believe that. But fewer believe that uh, we're all broken as a result mm. of the fall. So I actually think this idea of original sin... Um, even my own son recently was saying, like, I was reading, we were reading the Garden of, of, of Eden story. And he's like, well, why would God put a, a, a tree in the middle of the garden that we couldn't eat? Like, it feels like such sort of like a weird, yeah. you know, a weird example. So I think this notion of the, the holiness of God, what he demands of human, humanity, uh, we have a lot of work to do to translate the mm. Christian gospel into this generation who is incredibly empathetic. Uh, for people that are marginalized, for people that, that are different from them, they they want to experience that kind of diversity. That's a good. That's what should mm. be honored and cultivated in this generation. That mm. God has created every single person in His image. It doesn't matter what ability, what race, what gender, uh, you know, what experience, what position in life, uh, what education. Uh, that's a great thing I think could be really built into this generation, but also then helping them understand why Jesus makes all of that even better. Mm. Um, and so how do we help them really have that kind of conviction in the gospel as well? You've mentioned sin, haven't you? And I suppose that that's a really helpful starting point to think about as youth ministers and practitioners, that for this generation, maybe personal sin isn't the most connecting starting point, Correct. as if Jesus is most concerned that a teenager has masturbated to watching porn. Yeah. As damaging as that would be, is yeah. Jesus is, is also concerned about oppressive structures and and kind of institutional sin, and that's that connecting point for the generation. Says, yeah, we get that. Like where whole people groups are oppressed, where the things that you do, the what you do with your plastic, how you spend your money, has the impact to oppress communities. Making that maybe a starting point, and then seeing, but actually, what is happening out there because of the selfishness of our own hearts, mm. we contribute to that. That's why we need a savior. Which is why, by the way, one of the things we found in one study uh, called the porn phenomenon we did about three four years ago but teenagers are more likely to say that uh, not recycling is morally worse mm. than watching pornography and I think that's like that's part of what you're saying yeah. is they see these systemic structures uh, structures yeah. of, of injustice or issues but they they have a hard time connecting that to their own mm. personal lives and again I think we always have to look at the opportunities um, Jesus is always doing new things in and among us, uh, both individually and corporately as society. Um, we also, I think, like I, I'm making the argument that we're living in a new kind of exile. So just like Daniel had to learn a language and literature of a foreign land and become faithful in a new context, this generation is having to learn in what I call digital Babylon. Yes. So, Just talk to us about that. I've written that down. Yeah, yeah I'm happy digital to. Digital Babylon. So that's, that is your phrase. So if you're going to hashtag tweet it, people, it's, it's David Kinnaman's <laughs> one. So what do you mean, digital Babylon? 
Uh, well, I, I started a little bit of background was I had been studying, you know, people's journeys away from faith. We had prodigals and nomads, and I felt like a, a third group of these exiles who were kind of hopeful. They were in, but not of. They were criticizing the church, but in a hopeful, constructive way. But the older church, the established church, just wasn't hearing it. And so I started talking about exiles quite a bit. And that led me to, to Daniel's story, who, who happens to be, I think, my favorite sort of character in scripture, just his his faithfulness and the long game of his of his faithfulness in this in this culture becomes he serves three th- three pagan civilization leaders three administrations um, you know just lo- lots of really cool things that you know are, are often un- undiscovered we mm-hmm. talk about his sort of culture warrior yeah. side but we don't we don't talk about his proximity to all of that wow. and the yeah, tensions that he would have had so um, in a similar way this generation is living in proximity to greater chaos uh, to a greater sense of mental and, and social need and uh, environmental concerns. Um, and so they, they have, I think, understood those jet more general issues. Digital Babylon, that for me, is like, hey, the, the world is going out of control for them, um, for all of us, really, because of screens. It's a great tool, but it also creates a lot of um, dissonance with what we've ordinarily understood about human flourishing, about mm-hmm. living a good life. Um, and so Digital Babylon is a new place where this generation is having, all of us really, but especially this new generation is having to work out what's true. Mm. Um, the gospel according to YouTube, you might mm, call it. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're able to find, um, you know, Google is their sex educator. It's their, yeah. it's their, it's their uh, community. As community. Well, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's a whole new world that yeah. we're living in. And the challenge for us as youth ministers, as youth volunteers, <clears throat> is to help raise resilience in this generation even and, and preparing them for a world that we don't understand mm-hmm. where they will shape more than they are shaped yeah right um and that and that is such a challenge for us anyway right so we've gone deep it's been phenomenal well, this, this, this concept of resilience is so important as a youth worker yeah. what we're seeing in about a three-year study um, is that focusing on resilience is the best antidote to this sort of chaotic wow. pressure, mental health, anxiety, issues of sexuality, mm. um, sort of as you as you as you alluded to, we talk about sin. It's like, listen, this we all make sin. We all mm. ha, uh, we all sin. We all are uh, shaped by sin. Yeah. Uh, but how do we um, focus on developing not just people that are good churchgoers who are nice and sort of neat and tidy and we they they tick all the boxes for people that. Um, you know, are, are an established Christian generation, but we've actually made them so prepared to live in this world that they're they're thinking about what does it mean to be resilient in light of ever-present online porn. They're thinking about what does it mean to be resilient in a culture that is very isolating and relationally debilitating. Yeah. Um, how do they think about being resilient in light of all the pressures that they're going to face just in figuring out a job mm-hmm. uh, and what they're called to do? I mean, they're going to have many, many careers in life. They're going to therefore have more identity crises and challenges with money and mm-hmm you know, stability. Um, so how do we look at all the areas of vulnerability that this generation has and how do we help instead bring them to a place of, of greater resilience in Christ, understanding how, how culture can be discerned, voca- being vocationally discipled, being in relationship with others, and then being, pre- being prepared for a countercultural mission. So those are some of the themes that we've been learning in this research about resilience. And, and would you say that, that, and the answer is yes, David, can I just say that? Would you say, David, that youth workers <laughs> are the best place to do something because we know that adolescents, their key psychological <clears throat> question they're asking is, who am I? Yeah. So actually as leaders, we are often 
very comfortable discipling somebody whose life is in chaos and flux and because actually that, that sense of of course it's got to be all up in the air because if my young people are not asking who am I then we want to provoke that like are you here because your parents are here or because you're really serious about yeah. faith so so I guess in a way as youth workers we have a lot of those tools already honed it's that sense of actually God how can you use me to understand even more what you're doing for this generation so we can add our our skill, our fire, our own vulnerability to this, because we're asking these questions too. And as a youth worker, you're right in the middle between these these really two generational sensibilities. So the younger generation that's living in exile in digital Babylon, and there's so many things that you as youth workers already get. I mean, you, 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 you don't have all the answers, you admit that, <laughs> you're trying to help yeah. bring the, the Bible and following Jesus into a new world. Um, I, I find with my own kids, especially with my son Zach, but but who's 14, um, that I say I'm so, I'm sorry, man. This is really hard. Yeah. You know, like I, there were porno- there was pornography when yeah. I was a teenager, but it wasn't so ever yeah. present. And I'm I'm just like how how heartbreaking is it that you know that women are objectified like mm. this, that it's available in mm. in secret places and you know to anyone, and it's being pushed to younger. I'm, just, I'm Zach. I'm so so sorry, but I think God's calling you to be on mission with Him to try to help not just be pure yourself, not just to be um, able to be resilient, um, not if, but when you see it, but, but I'm so sorry. And you could maybe help your, help your peers who are, like your generation is in flames about this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be the posture we have towards younger generations, but towards older generations, um, established leaders, I think it's so important for us, um, of course, to enter that with humility, but as youth workers, I think we need to advocate for new ways of defining success. Um, uh, we would be looking more at how, how well could you measure the resilience of the people that you're working wow. with year over year rather than the numbers. I know numbers are important or maybe in, in addition to the numbers. Um, and I think that a lot of church structures, I think it's actually less true here in the UK than it would be in the US where, you know, be, because the US is so numbers driven right. and there's literally, you know, literally just young, like it, even big churches or small, even small churches have hundreds of people in them or hundreds of young people. So I think we're even more inclined towards counting success based on numbers. But in the UK, I think, I feel like you've got this, this heart. Like, we got hey, over that because we really don't have yeah. big numbers. Yeah. Yet. And I mean, I had a chance to visit a couple of times now, you know, Youthscape and I just love the vision of the organization and investing in the whole lives of teenagers. And, um, you know, just, I, I, I you know, sort of, creating games and tools and resources to engage this. I like, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, this isn't a paid advertisement like the San Pellegrino was. Um, but no, honestly, I just, I think you guys are, are, are focusing in on some of those larger questions and why that's so important as youth workers is that, you know, God's going to like, if we really believe this stuff, we're going to stand before the Lord. He's going to say, okay, what did you do with these opportunities? And maybe you're going to listen to this podcast and you've been reading other things and you've, you've realized that maybe we need a different metric of resilience. And, and you're probably, I I think that's true. I mean, that's why I'm asking it. Um, so how could you measure things like, are we cultivating meaningful relationships with people? Are we cultivating a sense of cultural discernment, how to respond to things like pornography and respond in a, mm. in a Christ-like way? You know, are we, are we vocationally discipling people? Are we introducing them to a Jesus who speaks to them? Um, are we giving them a sense of countercultural mission? So those are five things we've been, been studying, as I mentioned, uh, but they're not hard to measure and they're not hard to sort of orient your job descriptions more towards those outcomes. And, and I think this is where you talk to an older generation and say, hey, listen, I want you to measure me. I want you to hold me accountable to these mm. five or six or three things 
Um, and I think that these are going to contribute to greater resilience awesome. in the students that we have. Awesome. And that's going to lead to people sticking with their faith and making a difference for the long haul. It's not going to be um, you know, faith awesome. that evaporates. And it totally means it takes a village to raise a child. Because even as you're speaking, I'm thinking, man, understanding that level of granular detail of a young person's life requires proximity, requires an adult who will rock up and show up in their life, whether they're 90 years old or 19 years old, and do that long journey with them isn't it in the long haul suddenly the youth worker becomes not the only person that does this it's about yeah. how do we release others so um, we've, we've got some brilliant stuff and people are writing madly i can hear them all across the country writing madly i want to now have a little in, little interlude and we're going to play a game called is this your stat david is this your stat because as i put on twitter today, i, I wish there was you, some theme music we could yeah, use for is this it your stat? someone's like this quote here is that from barnett like where's it from so I'm, I'm going to bring that in a minute. My first, is this your stat, is um, <laughs> uh, British youth workers use post-it notes more often than uh, USA youth workers. Is that your stat? I don't know. That's just... That's you know. 100% true. 100%. You, you didn't, you we didn't know that, but we've been, <laughs> we've been studying communication styles of youth workers for, oh, for centuries it. now. Wristbands, yep. post-it notes, <laughs> chubby bunnies games, and ring donuts. Where would British youth work be about any of those things? So this is the stat. So this is from Planet Brain Ali Campbell's like, I've heard this quote. So when a child is the first to attend church, 3% of the families follow. When a wife or a mum is the first to attend church, 17% of families follow. When a dad or a husband is first to attend church, 93% of families follow. And he also put on Twitter the little, he got it the print, but it's like, is this a Barna stat from bygone era? No, it is it's not. not. Okay. You, you failed. Play again. <laughs> Play again. Um, no, I've I've heard that type of thing. In fact, okay. maybe I've heard those specific stats. One of the, um, well, I'll say two things. But first, one of the funny things is that we get attributed to a lot of stuff. I bet you do. So <laughs> we have done more research <laughs> that we have yeah. never done. Uh, that's my funny like stuff. You're like, oh, there's no way else. But... Well, I mean, this was partly what I wanted to say about this. Is like, I don't even know how you'd research that. No. I mean, think about how would you, I mean, you know how much money it would cost, Rachel, to try to figure out and follow people, <laughs> that like long, a, a yeah. kid, okay. and then a mom, like, I, like, so like, to, made that up. I, there's probably some basis for some dissertation or so, like, oh, okay. sometimes some data comes up out of like either social research or, okay. or you know, yeah. uh, grad degrees or, um, you know, denominational offices will do research and, you know, listen, there's not all data is created equal. I mean, yeah. our studies aren't perfect every study every researcher mm. should admit that there are limitations okay. uh, in research it's but just you don't make up numbers so i think that's <laughs> well well it's not that we don't make it up it's just that i don't even know how to methodologically no, how design do that. that without okay. doing what's called an experiment a medical experiment so we don't do experiments where you'd actually put you know this that's part of the other uh, implication of how you how those stats are are described is that you'd almost have a group of children who didn't oh, go to I church see. okay and you know like like you know, like you almost yeah. have these different control groups to compare child-driven, you know, mm. in- entry or mom-driven entry, okay. father-driven entry. Now we have have done a lot of stuff. We did a big study called Households of Faith, and we did look at the fact that um, dads are a lot less engaged in in their family's faith. And then when they are engaged, that's. A, I can't that's even remember the correlations. I mean, yeah. it, it sort of stands to reason. Yeah. I often think about like. Um, sometimes we can run correlations like well of course that kind of makes sense yeah. but uh, it's hard to know what's the driving force okay, so behind Ali, it okay so Ali that wasn't Barn no, you need to keep Sorry. doing I think Martin Saunders are you behind that somewhere by the way just a quick note it's stuff. like you know I actually think it'd be really cool to create a whole almost like you know 
experimental type environment where we did more pre-test, post-test kind of work. Even youth workers could do this and it's not all that hard where you'd say, you know, I'm going to do a four week series and we want to do a survey with five questions about what did you learn yeah. and you do a post-test and really like evaluate, you know, whether things had, had worked. Shifted, yeah. um, and, and I think it really simple metrics could help make yeah, us think yeah. more about the outcomes. I did this once in a youth, well, I was doing some volunteer work and I, I did a whole summer summer series and then at the very end I was like, okay, here's like a, a survey, just tell me anything you learned. I was so discouraged at the end. Oh no, uh, we're better than like, They just didn't remember any, any they just remembered <laughs> hardly anything. But, you know. But David likes pasta. <laughs> I know. San Pellegrino, apparently. Yes, yeah, San Pellegrino. <laughs> that is so interesting because this is slightly off point. And I will come to your questions. They're written down on my journal, people. But, um, I've been involved with the Romance Academy for years and that's always very hard to sort of prove anything from because you're working on on young people's attitudes and shifting thinking and making them more aware of themselves and their choices and the big thing, perceived control. So if a young person feels in any given situation, I, it was it's just inevitable that I'd watch porn, it's inevitable I'd have sex. And then actually they go through a program that says, actually you have more choices, you have more yeah. options, and they perceive they could do it differently, and at the end of the course they say, actually I think I'd act differently. It's hard to know whether they do, because you're not really going to say, well, how much porn have you watched this week? But, but that's always been something that I've been very interested in, the, and for this generation, it, does that still hold true, that shifting thinking does shift behaviour, because we're seeing an immersive mm. generation who they're asking, does this move me? Not just is this true, but is yeah. this good? And so are we assessing the right stuff? Yeah. No, well, I mean, one of the other way, I love all, how you're describing that. And, you know, one thing we can come back to, as I said, that research is very limited. And I often have to correct myself or I hear myself saying, oh, look at the correlation. And I'm starting to use almost causal language. And it's an easy slope to slide down. Um, but one of the things we can always come back to is scripture and the idea that, you know, be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word, and and just all the, the especially the places in the New Testament they're talking about the the quality of our hearing and our our you know be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So we don't need a bunch of research to prove that's true because it's God's mm-hmm. word. And so the notion, yeah, absolutely, this inform this this uh, generation is moved by information and training and pedagogy and Mm -hmm. you know experiences and relationships all those things are true um the the key frankly in this digital babylon age and this is one of the key facts of it is they're just overwhelmed Mm with more than ever by Mm -hmm. an exponential orthogonal amount they're 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 just exposed to all sorts of content that competes with our ideas as christians about sexuality, about mm. about a meaningful life, about work-life balance, about anything. Mm. And so in order to rise to that occasion, we need even better pedagogical structures. Mm. Mm. Um, now, what the nature of those things might look like, but we need to train and instruct. I mean, like when you just described the, what Romance Academy is doing, we need that and more mm. because this generation can't just be preached at. No, absolutely. They, they don't, they don't want to just like, you know, they don't want to just hear an expert yeah. the role of experts is changing in the youtube era mm-hmm. um everyone's an expert mm-hmm. so you, you get you have to get off your high horse get on their level and then train them and help them think about their Which world it's exciting isn't it it I is mean, it's actually, we got into it for the first place yeah that's why absolutely. we became bible teachers and yeah exactly. ministers of the gospel that's in the first place want. so two short questions i realize that you're gonna have to fly off somewhere else and people have got young people to go and um, work with but here's here's a question um from my friend dean Dean Pusey, so he asked, what might evangelism around the margin 
Dean's look like for you? Um, I'm not quite sure what Dean's asking, particularly. So, Dean, apologies if we don't quite have the nuance that you're asking for. Um, but what might evangelism on the margins look like? So young people are completely unchurched. It's not necessarily embraced by mainstream church culture. It's a bit edgy. Any, any thoughts around that? Well, let's, let's address it in a couple different ways. Um, one would be um, any time we can apply uh, a vision towards... Um, the whole community and ableism, dis- disabled, disabled individuals, more abled people, um, you know, how can we show that the gospel matters to everyone? You know, how can we, how can we demonstrate that in our, in our youth groups that it isn't, uh, the trim fit people or the not trim fit people? Like, how do we really demonstrate all the, the beauty of God's creation that everyone really is uh, created in the image of God and, and, and has that Imago Dei. By the way, the Chris Pratt uh, uh, interview that uh, when, when he got yeah, the award and the little, like, this little oh, public sermon, yeah. by the way, I thought he was trying to do a really great thing of co- combating what we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, which was this idea that the generation sort of thinks they're perfect in every mm-hmm. way and can't be, like, nothing's wrong with me. He's like, no, mm-hmm. no, you're actually, you know, yeah. you're not perfect. Yeah. And anyone who tells you differently yeah, is right. lying to you. And that was a, that he was speaking prophetically to this yeah. generation that doesn't believe in the result of sin, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it, getting back to our question of, of evangelism on the margins is just demonstrating that clearly. Yes. Um, I know, um, uh, you know, whether we're talking about sexual minorities, um, you know, Race. for me personally, yeah. I've, yeah. I've really come to the conviction that it's more important than ever to, you know, see sex as within the, the, con- mm. the uh, constraints of one man, one woman in marriage. Um, I know other Christians disagree with that, but that's, you know, how do we demonstrate that with whatever our tradition mm. is, however, you, mm. you know, however we think about that. Um, you know, can we talk about you know uh, ministry and evangelism to those in terms of sexual minorities mm. uh, and that very real experience? I mean, I, I, I sometimes hear from Christians. I mean, I'm pretty conservative on a lot of things theologically, but I, I think that we get things so upside down. So, for example, we often hear about the percentage of in the states the LGBT community um, that they're only three percent, or the transgenders. Just you know, it's mm. just a blip in the radar. And, and people often will tell the very, very conservative, very, very, mm-hmm. you know, uh, strong on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, well, why, why should we, you know, it's like so small, such a small percent. And I'm like, I actually think it's exactly the opposite. Yes. If the church yeah. doesn't care mm-hmm. and express a human response, a gospel response to why the sexual ethic of our day mm-hmm. um, needs to be Christianized mm-hmm. and not in a, you know, puritanical way, but in a human way, mm-hmm. uh, in a grace-filled way, um, in a not a shame-based way, but one that restores and loves and sees yeah. the beauty of God's uh, creation in terms yeah. of sexuality and, and all things in terms of our human bodies. Um, if we don't have room for the trans person mm. um, and young people in your community don't see you having that room mm. or, you're, or you're singling out people that don't seem to fit within a community, uh, they just they say, this isn't the kind of Christian yeah. community that I want to be a part of. So whether it's whether it's any of these kinds of issues, I mean, uh, unborn. I mean, yeah. it's it's not as popular, yeah. but it's still very very important. Like if we're not we don't have a consistent ethic of mm. of life, mm. um, and towards the elderly, mm-hmm. you know, I think that'd be another area. Like how do you how do you evangelize on the margins? You know, visit a youth, Blinds, uh, yeah, visit, yeah. A, uh, visit a nursing yeah. home, and talk about you know like we once had a a person who's just turned 100 come to have dinner with our family and uh, she just passed away recently but um, she was talking about World War II and she was in her 30s um, in Los Angeles, California she worked 
I think doing rivets on airplanes or whatever. It was just everyone was involved in the war effort. And so my kids were just so interested in her stories. Um, you know, and um, uh, I asked her if there was any, uh, you know, I was like, you're 100 years old, Carolyn, and said, you know, is there any downside? She said, uh, well, I'm getting older, not, not many of my friends are alive anymore. And I said, oh, that's really heartbreaking. She said, but the, but the, but the upside of that is I don't have much peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and how many voices would there be like that in our young people's lives? Yeah, and I just yeah. think that's something that's very missing. Um, yeah, even even in terms of work, um, wow. having people come in and talk yeah. about the kinds of work that they do, yeah. that could be a way of showing people from different. So that's beautiful. So even that question that Dean you asked, thank you so much. That's just you just blowed that open even further. <laughs> day we get us thinking even bigger. Last question, and this is from um, Alice, who works at St. Melitus and runs a youth. Um, degree course there um so she wants to hear a bit more about your household family of faith stuff so just in a nutshell um you were talking about hospitality and how for this generation hospitality is is so important um but how do young people engage with kind of the household of faith in communities again alice your question is brilliant i haven't probably expressed it very well but have you done much research into how christian young people on this generation feel about family life and christian homes and and being part of a household of believers and community Give us that in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, um, millennials and then Gen Z, Gen Z um, are trending so much lower in terms of their desire to be married and have children uh, or to see marriage as a construct. Um, now, that's not true of everyone, but it's true of many and many more than previous generations. Um, or they want to get married or they're willing to get married, but they'll get married a lot later. So so family isn't the, the social structure that they that they plan to live their lives out of. That's one of the huge differences from the boomers. So the boomers, family was, for the most part, three out of four in the United States were, were married in the 1960s. Of All Americans were married to someone. Their, their lives were interpreted through the lens of family, marriage, those, those perspectives. Um, this generation is really interpreting it out of their digital network, their friendships, especially young people. Uh, family may or may not fit into that um, for them. Um, and that's so they go to work, for example, a 20 something today is going into the workplace, not having any kind of marriage resilience to be a part of that. Marriages are hard. Not every marriage is a good marriage, um, but it's a big difference in terms of where you kind of find the basis of your reality. And again, that, that's not even to say that marriage is somehow superior. The gospel actually gives us the New Testament gives us a lot of, like we need a stronger yeah, totally. a, a, yeah. a, a stronger theology of singleness yeah, yeah. that's actually something we need to teach yeah. uh, you know within within and this generation and maybe this is a generation that actually will really embrace that genuinely yeah. in a way that it was lip service in previous generations yeah, it that's kind right. of served the purpose until you got married in your 30s yeah right Whereas, okay. well, and just the sheer weight of the numbers of married yeah. people yeah. made people who, who are single either by choice or, or not yeah. uh, feel very much marginalized another yeah. another way we could we could talk about marginalization of evangelism but um you know, I think Households of Faith, we, we did this really large study, really cool, looking at <clears throat> spiritual vi- vitality and vibrancy. And we had, um, uh, we had uh, spiritually vibrant households do three things together. They're very devotional. Um, uh, they, they, they spend time praying, reading the Bible, talking about faith. They're very hospitable. They bring uh, Christians and non-Christians into their community regularly, into their home. And they have a lot of fun together. 
uh, which was which was really cool. It's like it's not all serious, you know. They really do enjoy hanging out and being like one another. Mm-hmm. They they actually try to emulate each other. You know, they start picking up on phrases and stuff that others use. What, what you know, the thing the things that a group of people who you say they they actually enjoy. Yeah. It's not perfect, but they enjoy it. So um, I think that all of us, whether we're young or old, and we see this in the Gen Z um, Gen Z study, um, mm-hmm. is that they they aspire to those kinds of not just families but households uh-huh. and that was one of the conclusions of the study was even talking about families might be it's important it's a component but households is a really beautiful way that the new testament we're all part of the household yeah, it's not, not nuclear is it that's it's right suddenly a lot more open and welcoming. that's right it could be it could be and we're not doing this just so it's it's just inclusive so that everyone feels welcome it's just that i mean in the new testament jesus says you know wants. some some of you will have to turn you know, from your father and mother, your biological yeah. family, into the new family of Christ, and this this idea of the household, I think, is a is a is a more current uh, understanding, and that might help young people. It's not you know not someday when you're married or someday when you have a family, but we could say, hey, we want to prepare you to have yeah. a, a household, a spiritually vibrant household. That could be a roommate situation. That could be. Um, you know, living with your parents, um, that could be mm. when, when you're when you're married and yeah. have children. Um, so households become, I think, Beautiful. a more a more rich theology. There's, yeah, young person that I had the pleasure of. Or if you're a single person, you're yeah. part of a, an extended yeah. household. Yeah, team up with people. Yeah. Um, when I was mentoring a wonderful young person that ended up going to university, and I, I met up with her once she started uni, and she said, I really felt God say to me that actually the people on the halls of residence around me, they're my household. And she really caught this vision, and that was nothing that I'd said, it was all her and what the Spirit said to her. David, Wow, friends. It's been amazing. Thank you. We all want a little bit more cinnamon in our lives. So how can we access your brilliant brain? So Barna Group website? Yeah, Barna.com. Just Barna.com. Yeah, um, we've been doing some stuff in the UK, um, increasingly at BarnaGlobal.com. Excellent. Most of that's um, um, more service-based stuff, so most of our content and research is at Barna.com, but but either place. Yeah. Twitter is the place I do most. I don't do Excellent. too much Instagram. Or no, that. absolutely. But um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Um, I've met yeah. you and Jason and oh, so many others. Amazing. Uh, I'm uh, lying, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more than ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, at, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been fun to see it? like yeah. how you know you, your ministry, your guys' ministry, Peter. and youthscape, and like Peter. learning together. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that are different about our cultures, but there's yeah, so many things that are uh, that are uniting yeah, us. And this household of faith that yeah. uh, is this thing called following Jesus. One family. So if ever you're back in the UK, we know that we can find you in any Wagamamas, because apparently that is your favorite thing. So I'm going to turn off the uh, recording, and you're going to go to eat Wagamamas. Thank you, David! This podcast is for you. So, uh, great conversation, Rachel. Um, and what, the big piece of research that, that David sort of referenced there, mm. um, I think lots of people have been talking about that because it was a shocking stat, mm. even, you know, even though we knew it was an American context. Um, the idea that people in this generation just don't feel comfortable mm. with evangelism. So um, what do you draw out of that? What's your kind of take on um, what's really going on there when people say, I don't feel comfortable mm. sharing my faith? Well, I think what I love that David says is I think there's some really good stuff in there. So I think if, if young adults are seeing quite a toxic, aggressive, um, turn or burn, make a decision now, my views are better than your views, then rejecting that is a positive thing. And we've seen that across the generation, the rejection of toxic stereotypes around gender, the rejection of all that kind of thing. So I think we do need to hold that intention. I, I think um, 
it all boils down to, doesn't it? Um, the, who is it that you're sharing? We get evangelistic about the stuff that we love. And so it kind of says a lot about the state of our discipleship, actually, doesn't mm. it? And um, if, if young adults, if, if people my age are feeling, I don't really know that Jesus is good news. David says this lovely thing, young people don't need to know, don't just need to know the truth of Christianity, they need to know that Christianity is good. And, and we can't just do evangelism training that's based on the propositional truth, this is what you need to say. There needs to be that guidance. Like, this is good. Like knowing Jesus is good. It's life bringing, and that that will override a lot of the fears, a lot of the, the senses of um, what am I doing? If you genuinely believe you're sharing with your friends something that is good for them, that will change things. And um, what I think about the context in the UK of of the classic Christian youth group, mm. um, you you've been there. You yeah. Know, as a youth leader, you get up and you make the uh, the announcement. You say, guys. Next week, we're doing a seeker-friendly event. Yeah. I can tell I'm doing a very innovative youth ministry down yeah. in Surrey. And, uh, and you say, guys, um, bring your friends. And then the next week, do they bring their friends? No, they don't bring their friends. And you sort of think, what, what is that about? You try mm. and drill into it. And, and I've had conversations. I think it's really, really eye-opening to have a conversation with a young person about why don't you bring your friends? It's a slightly awkward you know, you can come across quite passive aggressive yes. to a young person. Yes. I asked you to bring your friends, <laughs> not brought your friends, you've disappointed me. I don't obviously mm. put it like that. Yeah. But they, they just, it's really interesting how young people will often say things like, I just, my friends don't know about this yes. part of my life. Yes. And I just wouldn't share it with them. But that's young people that have grown up within the Christian bubble, yep. isn't it? Absolutely. Because when we're working with young people outside of that, they are a lot more evangelistic. Absolutely. Because they well, isn't that always the case? Right. That the, the best yeah. evangelist is the new yeah. convert. But that's where we've also been rubbish with, with them as well. Because So I was sat in the creche on Sunday morning because my little boy wouldn't go to kids' church. Well, he would, but he's, he likes hitting everything and everyone. So I was like, I'll just sit in creche and give myself a Sunday off. And there were lots of young families, that, and it was the dads that brought their kids into crash and this one young guy got a little baby same age as my son and he has was brought up catholic converted to islam got into um taekwondo and jiu-jitsu so looked a bit at buddhism um, met this amazing woman had this baby she's a christian and now comes to our church and and in that sense is a classic pluralist who was sat there saying yeah i think every, everywhere leads to and i was like actually this is why we've been quite rubbish about this as well because i i sit here thinking ah, ha, this is really interesting. Like, what conversation should we have now? Because you're sat there saying to me, all of this is the same. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to jump down your neck and say, well, actually, come on, Alpha, and you're fine, and it's not. But I do want to encourage you to see something in Jesus that you've mm. not seen anywhere mm. else. And I think as youth workers, we've also felt really anxious about, well, then that sounds like we're saying, no, no, none of them. No, no, they're awful. The only one that's good is this. So I think we struggle both with encouraging our young people in church to share Jesus with their friends, but also what to do with our young people that are so evangelistic. They're like, yeah, everyone come. Yeah, it's great. It's fine. It's the same as everything else. Just just, yeah. just practice your Islam here and it's all yeah. fine. Yeah. It's really difficult. So yeah. we're having to do both pieces, which are really yeah. hard, graciously and humbly. It is. Uh, this is pretty old school practical advice, but I would say that um, it's much harder to ask your, your young people to invite their friends to your Youth Alpha course yeah. than it is to put on a... A sort of social event yeah. and say hey this could be this could be something you could bring your friends to yeah. and we're not going to hit them over the head with jesus yeah not even an inflatable jesus <laughs> we are going to yeah. you know we're just going to say hello and they'll realize we're not weird yeah. and so we we did a um 
like a, a simple uh, uh, thing a few weeks ago where we, did, we reviewed fish and chip shops. Yeah. And it was interesting that sort of seven or eight of the young people felt they could bring their friends to that. But you Whereas just sat reviewing fish and chips. We chip walked shop. around oh, fish and chips. I chip see shop. you actually went to fish No, we didn't we didn't we didn't like to sit around having a conversation <laughs> oh, I about like fish that and chips. One. That would be that would be classic Christian kind of practice versus like <laughs> the newer, more experiential model. Uh, no, we actually took them out went. to taste okay. and see that the okay. chips were good. Okay. And uh, and they did, and they reviewed the t- and they gave yeah. us, you know, certificates the best one. Yeah. But when I asked them to bring friends to Alpha I think maybe two or three yeah. did. When I asked them to bring friends to the chip walk, yeah. eight people did. I wonder if there's a middle ground. There's always a middle ground. There's always many, many ways. Alpha and chips? Well, I, Rachel Held Evans very sadly died recently in the Christian mm. community. We've been mourning her loss and just praying for her family and just so yeah. conscious of just how horrendous Absolutely. that's all been. But one of the things that she said so passionately was, all we have to offer anyone is death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. And, I, and that's always stuck with me. And I, and I thought... The other space is that where else are young people told, bring, bring us stuff, we're going to have a late night meeting, we're going to get lots of coffins, open them up. Like, stuff in your life is like, you just want to get rid of that, it's death in your life. Let's just write it on paper and burn it in a coffin and let's do... Like, there's something about that space, isn't there, which is neither the, let's have a big a cerebral conversation about faith mm. or the, let's check out chips. Amazing those two are, they're mm. really important. But something about this generation saying... We could talk to you about the distinctness of Christ, or you could come and see what it's like to die and and find life. And I mm. and that that's the bit I think we need the prophetic innovation that you go on about all the time. What I love about you, Martin, is you're not just about saying let's produce more shiny things. It's prophetically what is the new thing that we've got to be doing in this generation to help them understand death and resurrection. Essentially, that's it. Yeah. That's it. There is actually a local kebab shop that we could have taken them to, <laughs> called Death and where, where they would have experienced <laughs> at least one of those. Um, but but that's no, great. <laughs> but but well, you see, I, so I, that's nice of you to say. But so my challenge is so you're not um, prophetic. <laughs> no, I'm not prophetic. But my challenge is that, that that young people, if they think you are going to do some of that stuff, okay. you are going to have to have such a level of trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With your yeah. young people. Yeah to be able to do yes. crazy, crazy stuff like stuff. that and then yeah. fulfill they can invite their friends. Yeah. Because otherwise, the, the, the fear of like being at school Weird. the next day and one of the friends going, do you know what happened when I went yes. to uh, yeah, yeah. Billy's church? Yeah. They, uh, they opened a load of coffins <laughs> and uh, there was this crazy blonde lady there. Uh, but uh, Yeah, I no, understand. I, so, I, I, so I'm caught there because I, I'm like, yes, absolutely, I agree with you. Mm. We do need to do like really like we need to get mm. into the nitty gritty of like the big questions and the big stuff of life but also I, I think we do need to meet young mm. people just like yeah, in a yeah. nice safe place yeah, no, as well I'm not, I'm not saying that the first thing we do no I definitely agree and I also think those kind of dramatic things are not for a big group that's mm. for the little group that you've been training with for a while mm. where actually they you just need to be doing some stuff and as you do more of that so I can think of a little group of girls group that I ran they were not Christian girls and the local LGBT group shut down they sent girls to our group and we had a trans girl and a non-binary girl and it was such an interesting mix for a fairly conservative orthodox church to have mm. sort of hosting mm. and and that became a group where we did that kind of stuff wow. we asked the, the but high trust High so trust, you, you yeah, high trust, absolutely, and and it was really exciting because they had no preconceived ideas of faith. Their understanding of faith was that they'd be hated and kicked out. So it was a really interesting space. Gosh, we have had some interesting, we have. It's been some amazing. interesting conversations today. Oof. 
Now we need to do the shout outs. And first up, from Harrogate, it is our Your very own friend. beloved Natalie Jones. <laughs> hello, Natalie. And uh, Jim Page from Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, hello to you, sir. And then Helen Wollstonecroft from Harrow, who, if I went to her and said, can we get some coffee? And she'd be like, mm, okay, let's do fish and chips first. So you're absolutely right. Praise God for youth workers that, that help me <laughs> to do things well. <laughs> uh, that's it for another Youthscape podcast. Uh, we'll see you again soon.